Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Here's what Solomon said. Fear God and keep his commandments. When he said that, he was saying that life is not about being happy, but life is all about God. It's all about him. What's the point, Bryce? Jesus is the point. What's the meaning? He is the meaning. What's the purpose for my life? To be reconnected to my creator. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, the commandments just to begin to be a part of your life, you do and act out of your great love for him. And all of a sudden, you don't have to do something. You get to do something. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. I don't have to worship. I get to worship the King of Kings. presence of the Lord is here in such a mighty way. Many of you have been blessed already, and I trust that the Lord is not finished yet in this service. You believe that? You believe that? You got faith to receive it today. The Lord is still at work. We can come into this house and we can have our plans and we can have our order and structure and we sing our songs and we and we have prayer and and we do offering and all of those things but when the presence of the Lord steps in it completely changes the atmosphere things change when the presence of the Lord is here and I'm thankful to be in your presence but I'm thankful to be in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and I want to entertain him today with my worship and my praise hallelujah he is so deserving he is so worthy amen amen we're going to dismiss our sunday school classes at this time god bless our teachers we thank you so much for all you do investing in the lives of the young ones today god bless them if you're still praying continue to do so Spirit of the Lord is here. Phil, I have a word to share that would be beneficial to all that are in attendance today. We are so delighted to have each and every one of you. God bless you. Our guests, thank you so much for being us. It's always a delight to see the Killian family. Uh, We thank you today for being with us. And uh, I appreciate they just come in and jump right in with worship they don't miss a beat and uh our worship today has created this atmosphere and uh, i feel we are flowing in the holy ghost today which is where we want to be amen ecclesiastes chapter one and i'm gonna read a couple verses of scripture there then i'll direct your attention to first corinthians chapter 15. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, we'll read verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all. Everybody say all. All is vanity. 
and jump over with me to the book of First Corinthians chapter 15. I want to read to you verse number 28. First Corinthians. First Corinthians 15, 28. And when all, everybody say all. When all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. That God may be all in all. And I want to speak to you just from this title, Life Defined. Life Defined. And if you'll help me this morning, you may be seated. Thank you so much. Amen. Great looking crowd this morning. Amen. Again, thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Uh, anyone, anyone in here um, have, maybe you had this morning, maybe it was a week ago or ever in your life, you ever had one of those moments where you're just like, what's, what's happening here? Like, what am I doing? Like, what, anybody ever had those moments or is it just me? Thank you for your participation. The Lord bless you. <laughs> Amen. Not everybody at one time, but, uh, you know, I have those what's happening moments a lot with my children. And those of you with children can probably attest to that. You walk into a room because you hear the sound of, sounds like a truck has just driven through the room that they're playing in. And you go in there and you're like, what is happening here? And one of them says, but dad, we're just, no, 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 no. I, that's, I didn't want an answer. I'm just asking, what is, what's happening here? Like, what is going on here? I'm sure we've all had those moments. Maybe you woke up this morning, you had one of those moments like, what am I, what am I doing? I was getting ready to walk out of the house and I don't, I, you know, don't, I don't even know what's going on. And, and, and we probably have wondered that from time to time about life. If we're all being very honest this morning, we probably even stopped everything and, and asked ourselves, what, what's the point of all this going and doing and reaching and achieving and, and all of this? Why am I, why am I here? What is it all about? And we stop and wonder. A lot of people ask the question in life when we're considering life, like, what, what is it about life? That, that is for me? What's my purpose? What's going to make me happy in life? What's going to make me satisfied? What will make me feel fulfilled? Maybe at night you can't go to sleep because you're just pondering and, 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 and wondering about the meaning of it all. Maybe it was after a loss or a failure and you were forced to ask yourself what you were doing with your life. Or maybe it was after a long-awaited success and you finally reached what you called the top only to find out that you felt emptier than ever before. People everywhere ponder the meaning of life. But here's the thing. Not everybody can agree on what the answer to that question is. What is life about? Is is it about love? Is it about uh, having a nice car? Is it about children? Is it about having a pet? Is it about uh, friendships? Uh, Is it about... You know, some people think it's about working hard so we can enjoy the weekends. And uh, and then we wonder, is it about saving up money for a nice retirement? Is it about vacations? What is it all about? What is life? What's the point? 
And when it comes to the pursuit of, of happiness, a lot of us are convinced that the grass is always greener where? On the other side. The grass is always... So what do we do as human beings? We obsess ourselves about what's over the fence. We, we, and so what do we do? We get degrees and we, uh, we, we change careers and we become fans of Facebook causes because we know that, 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 that the happiness that we're looking for is just over the next fence. What I, what I am looking for, Bryce, in this life is just over the fence and my purpose in life is just over the fence and my dreams coming to fruition are just over the fence. What my heart has been searching for is right over the fence. And so we think and we convince ourselves if we want to be happy, if we want to be successful, if we want to feel purpose, if I'm going to feel satisfaction, then it's just over the fence. And so what do we do? We chase and we pursue and we reach and we achieve and we run going absolutely nowhere. We live our lives like we are this giant, we're on this giant hamster wheel and we are running in place and we are spending all kinds of energy and strength and effort and all kinds of things going on, but going nowhere. And while we're running in place, life has a way of throwing some curveballs at us, does it not? As a church body, uh, and, and as individuals, we've all felt the pain of losing people way too soon. And through all of those moments, we've probably all stopped to think about life and how life is short. We all have moments, especially ones like I just mentioned, where we are stuck and we question everything. What's the point? As a church and as individuals, these moments, they force us to consider the brevity of life. James was right. Life is a vapor. It's, it's here and it's gone in a, in a brief flash of time. It's just a blip on the radar. And we wonder, what was it all about? What was life about health? Was, was life about family? You have someone in your family that was maybe diagnosed with a serious illness and so you pray and you pray and you pray for God to heal them and then they pass away and you stop and you question what was the point? What was it all about? Was the point of religion just getting God to do what we wanted or was it trying to find a way to grieve loss without our faith being shipwrecked? What's the meaning? What's the point? What's the definition of life? How can my life be defined? So, so you get the job that you've been dreaming about. You, you get the bonus. You get that beautiful spouse, the person of your dreams. And you get the child that you've been praying for and asking God for. And you move into that amazing house on that cul-de-sac that you've dreamed about for years. And you all of a sudden can buy your vacation home. Is that really life? What's the point? Possibly the strangest book in the Bible, certainly the most depressing, is, is this book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> it was written by Solomon, 
a king of Israel and the wisest man who ever lived. God had allowed Solomon to have everything a person might want. Bottomless wealth, worldwide fame, absolute power over a nation, hundreds of wives and the wisdom to manage it all. And it's a good thing because with that many mother-in-laws, I'm sure there was going to be, I'm just kidding. I love my My mother-in-law is a blessing to me. I won't. Solomon had, yeah. Solomon had all the gold. He had all the glory. And and that, that, that he could wish for. And then he writes Ecclesiastes, a rather disturbing book, where he meanders through all the meaningless things of life. And as you read it, you start to wonder, is, is his goal to depress me? Is that what he's trying to do? And yet this book was included in the canon of scripture. Why? Because God wanted it there. There's a verse I love that says, All scripture is inspired by God. And guess what? It's all profitable. This is a living word. It amazes me how many people can go without reading this word. I don't know about you. I need this word. It's a living word. Amen. Amen. And it's all, it's all inspired by God. It's all profitable. And so Solomon, he's smart enough to look around and see how frantically everyone was pursuing happiness and how they were going about and what they were doing. And you got to remember, this was several thousand years ago, but the human race really hasn't changed all that much. I mean, I know since then we've invented airplanes and toilet paper, but our psyche is still pretty much the same. So Solomon decided he's going to organize this test on the human race. And he's going to organize that it on the on human happiness. And so he volunteered. He's just going to I'll be the lab rat. I'm going to do the test on myself. And his goal, which he states at the beginning of the book, was to use his amazing resources to achieve happiness the way that everyone else around him was achieving happiness. It was through power. It was through fame. And it was through pleasure. And so he bought into this philosophy That you can't have too much of a good thing. That if a little money was good, then a whole lot of money was going to be better. And possibly it might even be the ultimate source to the meaning of life. So here's this man who had everything any man could ever want. Including the ability to think on a very high level. And as you read Ecclesiastes, you think to yourself... What is wrong with this man? What, why isn't he happy? His book records how he methodically crashes and burns no matter what he tries. And with each potential source of happiness, he notices that time and chance and death trump everything he's doing. They completely trump his efforts. Here's the first two verses again. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. You know what he's saying? It's all 
meaningless. Complete meaningless. And I got to say, that's the high point of the book. It pretty much goes downhill from there. Now, if you're ever in one of those moments where, God, I need a scripture and I need some inspiration, and you close your eyes and flip open your book and it lands on Ecclesiastes, I'd recommend close the book and do it all over again. <laughs> Solomon, in his writings, he, he targets several different categories. He talks about intelligence. He talks about pleasure. He talks about wisdom. He talks about work. He talks about power and righteousness and, and talent and education. And then Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, sums up the results of his experiment at the end of this book. And this is what he writes. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Fear God and keep his commandments. It's, it's safe to say that none of us in this room today will have access to the absolute wealth and the power that Solomon had in his attempt to attain happiness. We can go to some restaurants out here and we have access to bottomless chips or bottomless french fries. That pales in comparison to bottomless wealth and power. Probably none of us in here will ever have that kind of power and that kind of wealth and that kind of wisdom and that kind of knowledge. But here's the deal. We keep trying and we keep trying and we keep running and we keep searching and we keep pursuing and we keep chasing, trying to figure it all out. What's the point? What is life? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? We try so hard to attain happiness. To attain the point of it all and we keep running and we keep running and we keep spending energy and our efforts church at some point hear me today we've got to learn how to exit the hamster wheel and take an honest look at our lives if we're not happy right now why do we think the other side of the fence is going to be any better if, if you're not happy right now with your job it doesn't, another new place, another, if you're not happy with the status of your marriage, you're never going to be happy. Those things cannot take an unhappy person and make them a happy person. Now, that's not to say that there, that, that, that there aren't pleasures in this life that, that can't bring a temporary happiness. Of course they can. Let me go on record here. Money can buy happiness. <laughs> now, I know sometimes we make some really dumb purchases, and we have what they call buyer's remorse, and it comes home, and it sits there, and we lost the receipt, or there's, there's, there's no return policy, and you can't return it and stuff like that, and so we, we can't take it back to the store. Maybe if you're like me, you don't try clothes anymore. I just don't have time to try clothes on. I just like, yep, that's going to fit. I get home, and I'm like, I'm going to have to sell this because I'm not driving an hour back to Fairview to return it. It's going to be wasting too much gas. I've already got it figured out in my head. I'm at a loss. And so I have buyer's remorse. Now, there are some things that we do buy, and they do bring happiness. I, I, it's fun to buy new things. Wives, look at your husband. Tell him, listen to this man. It's fun to buy new things. <laughs> Money can buy happiness. It's just not the happiness 
that can last. That's the deal. The, the new shirt that you just bought, it's great right now. But next week, it's going to be last week's shirt and last week's wardrobe, last week's hat. It's going to get old. And maybe a year from now, it'll just be, meh. I don't even consider that on a Sunday anymore. I don't even consider that for work anymore. There's no way. It becomes just another thing. That you hang up in your closet and doesn't really get you excited anymore. So what's our solution? Now we got to go out and we got to buy new stuff. And we got to buy something else. And we got we to gotta get this. And it's not just clothes that make people happy. But, they, but in this world, this world looks for happiness in every corner, in every crevice. They're searching for it through drugs and alcohol. Thinking that that's going to be what makes them happy. Only to find out that they're left emptier than ever and people wonder what was it all about what's the point what what's what what is this what's the meaning we search so hard people spend most of their lives looking for the point the meaning and here's the problem you're looking for the meaning of life in this life but it's not found in this life we're looking for the point the meaning of it all but it's not found in the here and now Here's what Solomon said. Fear God and keep his commandments. When he said that, he was saying that life is not about being happy, but life is all about God. It's all about him. What's the point, Bryce? Jesus is the point. What's the meaning? He is the meaning. What's the purpose for my life? To be reconnected to my creator. To be in relationship with him. I came to help somebody here this morning. Get off the hamster wheel. Stop running in place. Stop spending all kinds of unnecessary energy. Stop looking to yourself for strength and look unto him. Amen. Run to Jesus. He doesn't just have an answer. My God is the answer. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord today. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now fear, it doesn't mean that we got to come into the house of God and be afraid of God and be worried God's going to strike me dead. You've heard it, you've invited people to church that as soon as I walk into church, lightning going to strike the church. I've been in church now almost 20 years. And some of you say, man, you're just a baby. But, you know, 20 years, if you can say 20 years, you're old. But anyways, I'm calling myself old. Nobody else in here. I've never seen lightning strike the church. I've never seen somebody get struck by lightning. I'm not saying God can't do it. I'm just saying I've never seen it. Fear does not mean terror. It doesn't mean that you should be afraid of him. It means, it, it means that we should have a great respect for God. A high regard, admiration, that it, it actually means a total awe. That we stand in awe of Him. Here's what Psalms 8 says. Psalms 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth, who hath set Thy glory above the heavens. When I consider the heavens, the work of Thy fingers, the, the moon and the stars which Thou hast ordained. This is what He says. What is man? 
that thou art mindful of him. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. Church, do not ever lose the state of all at the magnificence, at the beauty, at the majesty of the creator of the universe. And in that state, let me encourage you, walk in him, trust in him, respond in love to him. In a state like that, we gather together and we worship and we say, you deserve the glory for you are great and greatly to be praised. It's an awe, it's a reverence. He's a mighty God. He's a holy God. It's interesting to me that when you read that scripture that that fearing God comes before keeping his commandments. To fear God, to be in awe of God, a reverence. He is holy. He is perfect. He is righteous. Fearing God, though, comes before keeping his commandments. You see, people who simply follow a list of laws, that's all they really do. I don't really believe that they're in awe of God. They are bound by rules and regulations. And this is something that the Pharisees dealt with. But when a person falls in love with the awesomeness of God and when they see his glory and his goodness, listen to me, rules don't disappear, they become secondary. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, the commandments just to begin to be a part of your life, you do and act out of your great love for him and all of a sudden you don't have to do something, you get to do something. I don't have to go to church church I get to go to church I don't have to worship I get to worship the king of kings his commandments are kept because there is a heart that wants nothing more than just to please God because of who he is And for many people, for many people, that seems a little ambiguous. Where is God, Bryce? How do I see God? How can I be in awe of God? Listen, God is not ambiguous. God is not undefined. He is not unsearchable. But God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the awesomeness of God, the glory of God, and the ultimate manifestation of God. Jesus is God with skin on. Genesis chapter 2 and 7. A lot of you can probably quote it. Genesis 2 and 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. In Hebrew, God is Elohim. When you read the creation story, Genesis chapter 1, it was God created. 
God spoke, God let there be light, and there was light. God, and God did, and God said, and God created all over the place. And then you turn to Genesis 2 and 7, and it says, And the Lord God formed man of the ground. In Hebrew, God is Elohim, and it means righteous judgment. Lord in Hebrew is Adonai which means merciful. You have to understand something this morning. Yes, God made the trees and he made the fish and he said, let there be light and there was light and the greater light ruled the day and the lesser light ruled the night. But when God got ready to make man, he knew that man would need more than a judge. And it is one of the first compound references to God in the word. It was the Lord God, not just God, the Lord God. God is Elohim or righteous judgment, but in front of the judge was the merciful Lord. He knew man with his flesh and his flaws was going to need mercy and not just a judge. Acts chapter 11 says, For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just Jesus Christ. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's important because what is God? There's, there's a lot of different ways that you can answer that question. But if you use Scripture to explain Scripture... John chapter 4, 24, Bible says this, God is spirit. When Jesus walked through the wall again and confronted Thomas, he said, handle me and see. A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. There's the, on your credit card or your debit card, whatever it is, there's those, there's those holograms. Okay, and they're used to kind of trick, trick thieves and people trying to steal money and to steal your credit card that makes it authentic. And that's what, that's, you, everybody know a hologram, what I'm talking about? That's the word for spirit. When it says, handle me a spirit, the Greek word is hologram. In other words, they thought Jesus was a ghost and that they could stick their hand right through him. And he said, I've got flesh and bone. Spirits don't, spirits don't have that. That's why Paul, writing one time, said, unto the king, immortal, eternal, invisible. So when you talk about God, amen, that's why the Bible says no man hath seen God at any time. What's the next line say? The only begotten son hath declared him. So when you talk about God, trying to help us define God here this morning, when you talk about God, you're talking about spirit. You could also refer to him as father. The Bible in Corinthians says, now the Lord is that same spirit. What's God? God is spirit. Acts 9, Saul of Tarsus said, who art thou, Lord? See, if God is spirit, and according to 2 Corinthians 3, the Lord is that same spirit, not another spirit. So whether you call that spirit Lord or, or God, it doesn't matter. It's still the same spirit. That's why Ephesians 4 says there is 
one spirit. So if there is just one spirit, there's not a spirit of the Father separate from the spirit of the Son, separate from the Holy Spirit. There's just one spirit. And that spirit is holy. That spirit is God. You can call that spirit Father. You can call that spirit Lord. It's the same thing. Think about it. Who was it that raised Jesus from the dead? Because in Galatians, Galatians tells us that, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Then Jesus was teaching one time and he said, destroy this temple and in three days, I will raise it up. And then in Romans 8, it says, if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will do for you what it did for him. It resurrected his dead, buried corpse. So in type, you and I die through repentance. We are buried with Christ in baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost will resurrect us just like it resurrected him. Sounds confusing, right? (laughs) Because again, Galatians said it was the Father, Jesus said it was him, and then Romans 8 said it was the Spirit. It's confusing, right? Very confusing if you believe the theory of the Trinity. Three separate beings, co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful. It doesn't really sound like equality to me when one prays to another. That sounds like dependence. It's very, it's very confusing. God is spirit. Son is flesh. That's it. That's, that's it. I, and I've been in conversations with friends about this, and when they can't answer a question, they just say, you know what? It's, it's a blessed mystery, and not everyone can understand it. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, that just pretty much ends this conversation, I guess, because we'll never be able to figure it out. We'll never be able to understand it. But listen to what the Word says. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That word great there, it doesn't mean that you'll never figure it out. It means that it's wonderful because that's what Isaiah said better be the first thing that you call him. Wonderful. Don't ever forget that he's wonderful. Always remember to call him wonderful. He is wonderful. Galatians 4, if our music would come. Galatians chapter 4 says this. It says, a, a, a son differeth, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondages under the elements of the world. Watch verse 4. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. Now, why did he do that? Verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And verse 6 says, and because you are sons... God hath sent forth his spirit into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, what is, what is Galatians 4 talking about? Here's what it's talking about. It's talking about you and me. We are the children that have this wealthy father. But as long as we allow someone other than that father to direct our lives, we are under what verse 2 says, tutors and governors. You know what that is? It's this external oversight, slavery if you will, that is pulling the strings on our lives and controlling every move. You see, that's what not knowing him is all about. So many think they find freedom outside of a relationship with God, outside of the church. We find freedom. No, that's fool's gold. So when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. Some believe, oh, there, there it is. That's, that's, that's great love right there. That's an example of great love that this father loves so much that he sent somebody else to die for them. That's not love. That's not love. You don't send somebody else to do your dirty work. Listen to me. Jesus is not Jehovah Junior. He is God in the flesh. He is the one true living God. Amen. Why? Because Galatians 4 is very clear. It's using two words, redemption and adoption. Listen right now, you are adopted by the Spirit, but you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, not, and not vice versa. We are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Think of that phrase, Son of God. See, the Son is not God. If the Son is God, then God died on the cross. And Brother Bishop, since God can't die, there's got to be something else going on here. That's why the Bible says that he gave up the ghost. It's saying that that spirit that was in him has now left him. And for the first time in his life, he felt what you and I have felt before. God abandoned. Where are you, God? He had never felt like that before. And this is so important that you understand this because unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And thou shalt call his name. Whose name? The son. Wonderful. Got it. Good. Counselor. That's great. The mighty God. I'm okay with that. The everlasting father. Whoa. How can you call the Son the everlasting Father if they're two separate persons? You can't. But if you understand that the Father is spirit and the Son is flesh, then you can call the Son Father because the Son called himself that. Have I been so long time with you and you don't know me? 
He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And this is important that you understand this concept because it's going to help you understand 1 Corinthians 15, our text this morning. And he who all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also be, also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God, that God, that God may be all in all. Stand with me, if you will. Because right now, this God that we serve has chosen to come to this world in flesh. It's called sonship. Hear me right now. We have access right now to his blood. We have access right now to his mercy. And I'm pleading with you, take advantage of it while you can. Take advantage of the blood that was shed for your purpose and for your salvation. It's so important in your lives. Why? Because this God that we serve, he's got two hats. He's a judge and he's merciful. But there's coming a day when that merciful judge that's in that office won't be needed anymore. He's going to take that hat off. The same God who's the judge of the world is the savior of the world. But hear me, there's coming a day when baptism in Jesus' name won't work. There's coming a day when you won't be filled with his spirit. That's coming to an end. There's coming a day when the sonship, the very act of God taking on flesh will be over. That God may be all in all. And there will be a judgment. And there will not be a Lord that is present there. There will be a judge. So take advantage of this while you have a chance. Take, it, take advantage of this while you have a chance. If you're here today and you've been playing games with God, it's time to cut that foolishness out. Jesus is here to give you one of the greatest gifts that you could ever receive. Another chance. Another chance. Another chance to repent. Another chance to go to an altar and receive His Spirit. Another chance to get baptized in His name. Another chance. There's another chance here today. Take advantage of the mercy that's in this place today. Take advantage of the mercy that He has extended. But there's coming a time where that be drawn out. Would you bow your head, close your eyes all across this place? There are things in this life that we look at and we say, that's what really matters. No, that's what really matters. No, I believe this is what really matters. But if we really want to find what matters in this life, we would do ourselves all a favor and consider eternity. Because what matters is eternity. 
Jesus said, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Eternity is what matters. What matters in eternity is not income or 401ks or friendships. It's not fame. Those things are good and fine in themselves. And I believe that God loves to bless his people with them. But those things cannot outlast death. What's the point of it all, Bryce? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Some of us consider ourselves followers of him, but we're experiencing a level of complexity and confusion that can be traced back to one thing. We have lost sight of the ultimate source of meaning in life. We've allowed our eyes to be fixed on something else, much like the story of Peter walking on the water with Jesus. But when you are in awe of him, it's so amazing how uncomplicated things are. It's amazing how uncomplicated marriage can be. It's amazing how uncomplicated relationships can be. Life makes more sense when we don't make it about ourselves. But it's seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added they begin to play and sing I want to open this altar if you don't feel comfortable praying at an altar I would open up your seat wherever you are I just want us to spend some moments with the Lord the, the presence of the Lord is in this place in such a mighty way and right now you have another chance right now you have another opportunity Right now you have a chance to make things right with God. You have a chance to make it all right. Don't miss your opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.